I just, you know, basically the, I felt like all my life I was never able to fully embrace like the Christian narrative and, you know, believing that what I had to believe to be a Christian. I finally was able to admit to myself I didn't believe it. In this chapter on The God Project, we talk about doubt and deconstruction. Deconstruction meaning to take apart, to analyze, and to break down. You know, my favorite part about doing this podcast is talking with people about their experiences and hearing their stories. And a common thing that I found in almost every conversation that I have is that people have doubts. And this idea of deconstructing and questioning our ideas of God and spirituality are actually a very common theme that most people experience. So in this chapter, we're going to hear from a few people who share their story of doubt and deconstruction. And again, I love talking with people about their stories and experiences in faith and spirituality. So if you'd like to share your story, go to godprojectpod.com. Welcome everyone to the God Project Podcast, where we take an honest, in-depth, and personal look at how people encounter faith and spirituality. We aren't afraid to ask those tough questions we often have about God. So join us as we explore our faith, our doubts, and everything in between. Welcome to the God Project. raised in church obviously all my life has started going to family went to a real country church out by where i live a few miles from here like on 209 in coyote trail and um it was like tiny and uh we were the only family some sundays so we just like talk for a few minutes and go back home <laughs> small group yeah style exactly yeah uh anyways but yeah we started going to uh church in sand springs where I went for many years, um, probably 15 years or so. Into college, I started like playing mainly, and I just was like, I would just go to church to play. So you were playing for worship when mm-hmm. you when you say play, right? Just yeah, play, playing, playing guitar music, and worship, yeah. yeah, guitar or whatever. Probably my freshman year of college, or even maybe like senior year of high school, I stopped going as much. Did your parents give you a choice to go, or did you have to go? <sighs> kind of. I mean, they're very, like, um, they kind of were hands-off, and they would, like, especially into college, like, they wouldn't really ask me about it, and they knew I played in church a lot. I've pretty much played in every, on almost every Sunday for years now. Yeah. Only just a handful off. And, uh, but yeah, they, they were kind of, they weren't like, you have to go to church. Um, usually, I like, I started playing in another church that, that, that they didn't go to. And I had more freedom because like, you know, I, I was actually going to church cause I was playing in it, but they weren't like, you know, it wasn't like I was sleeping in. It was obvious that I wasn't going or something. Yeah. So I had more freedom into, into like into high school and college and stuff. Was there a time where you're, 
where you just think about it and you say, I don't think any of this is true. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and this is, you know, gets into the meat and potatoes of everything. Um, I would say like, Oh gosh, like towards the end of high school, I mean, you know, everyone, I feel like even earnest Christians probably fight just like the boring parts of the whole thing, you know? And like the, what, you know, they, a lot of people aren't like actively believing stuff. So they don't engage in like, you know, what they believe or any like philosophy or anything like that. And some people never do that. But I feel like a lot of like kids that are raised in church, that's how they are. And some of them do get involved like a lot earlier and some don't, some just coast and they'll just be like minimum, you know, involvement like mentally and spiritually. And I was that way, but like I started to kind of be more involved or tried to be more involved. And yeah, I just started to kind of, um, have a lot of like, I not be as like adverse to doubt. And I, I felt like, you know, a, a uh, authentic religion shouldn't be like adverse to doubt, you know, it should be like welcoming of, of doubt and stuff. So, um, but going to college, you know, and college is a more liberal sort of environment anyways, but that's not even what really did it. I mean, it was just kind of, I actually remember it was, it's a pretty, uh, messed up story, but, uh, <laughs> I was at, uh, what was it? It's called the Christmas train in like church on the move. I think doesn't. Yeah. So, uh, me and Beth, wife at the time, or girlfriend at the time, actually, we were there and we were on the train, and it was just like a date, you know, like it was, it was we we just went because it was like something to do at Christmas time, and um, during during the thing, like one of the like reenactments of some Bible story, I was just like, I don't know if I believe in this stuff anymore. <laughs> it was like the worst timing ever, because <laughs> like really freaked her out. Like was it like then the. Nativity yeah, scene. It's like, or like the cruci- like the <laughs> crucifixion. Like it's something terrible. The worst timing. How did she respond initially to your doubting of it? She was really scared. I mean, she was like, basically, you know, the a lot of what motivates, hopefully, well, uh, in my opinion, wrongly motivates people, but just fear of like damnation, you know. Yeah. And she was just like, you know, I don't know what I believe for sure, and there's a lot, a lot of stuff in the Bible I don't believe. Or, you know, I don't believe that the same way other Christians do, but like, I still, I'm scared of, you know, the whole, the stick of it, you know, the whole thing. So, and that's something we talked about and like, you know, that, that evolved with us and that's got to be really scary to find out like your partner, you know, but kind of believe something that you don't. start the way most Christian guys start. I grew up in the church. Uh, my parents took me there every Sunday. I was the guy that showed up every Sunday to to youth group, to Sunday school. I was on it. I was the guy in high school that would not drink, would not party, would not do drugs. We were in a Christian punk rock band. This was late 90s, 2000, early 2000s. I was the guy that preached from stage, that didn't play you know, they're like more, more rock, less talk, whatever. But I had to give that, that altar call that, Hey, if you don't know Christ, you know, that was me, you know, and 
it continued throughout. I didn't go to college. I stayed home. So I stayed active in the church. And uh, through all of that, though, uh, a little bit of my family history, my dad was an alcoholic. Uh, I didn't find that out till I was 14 or 15 years old. Um, and that kind of rocked things for a little bit. But I'm like, now I got the church. I got friends. I got family you know, that are going to help me through this stuff. And it wasn't easy through there. And it's still not, uh, even 20 years later, dealing with that aspect. But church-wise, um, I was the guy. I was the Christian kid, you know, throughout the whole thing. And I didn't drink till I was 21. I mean, I followed the book, everything. So I grew up in it. And up until about two years ago, I'd say I was, like, solid. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't shake my faith. So that's how I grew up. So what, what was that first kind of phase of questioning to where you uh stepped off the cliff into the unknown if you will yeah uh it's funny i was just talking with a friend of mine about this yesterday because we're both kind of in the same spot and uh it was probably back in an assemblies of god church that i was going to and we read francis chan's book crazy love and most people would be like oh yeah that's a great book that's how could you not how could that take you where you are now? And he began to talk about what love really is and that we weren't really seeing that in the church, you know, going out, caring for the least of these. And I read David Platt's book, Radical, and he talked all about, you know, going to unreached people groups of the world and spreading the gospel. And it was pretty radical. Obviously, it's the name of the book, but I, it wasn't... I didn't see that in the church. So it really started to ping like, what's up with the church? Like, why aren't they doing what these guys are saying is biblical? And it really kind of got the ball rolling. Um, not seriously, but just it kind of planted that seed of, is this really what God intended? Did you have doubts um, as you were solid, as you said? Uh, you know, looking back on it, I think how I grew up, if you had a doubt, it was your fault. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're thinking about it wrong. You know, so I always thought it that way. Like, it can't be a doubt. There's got to be an explanation. And you can justify any thought. You can go back to the Bible and you can confirm however you want to think. Uh, and I did that a lot. And looking back on it, I can see, okay, so at the time, that made sense from a biblical perspective, but I can see how it also could have just been coincidence, yeah. how I came across whatever X realization. So I think I kind of suppressed those doubts, but as I moved on, they kind of came to the surface and I started really being vocal about it and asking about it. With, so. What were your intentions when you were asking? Were you really trying to find the answers and like looking for God or were you looking for a not God? What were, what were your intentions when you acknowledged yeah. those doubts? Yeah. I think the, the biggest one I had was with miracles, seeing people get healed, things like that. I've heard people, and since I was at an Assemblies of God church, speaking in tongues. Sure. Um, I tried it. I was like that guy that went up front, like, I want to do it. I want to speak in tongues. And like all these other people were doing it. And they're like, you can't try to do it. It's just got to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, blah, 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 trying to... Like, random, random syllables, just spit them and, out. Yeah. And nothing. But then, but then this, this guy who is like, 
he's just kind of this annoying guy that let's you know he's our friend or whatever he comes in late sees all these people going to the front and to support them he's like well i don't know what they're doing i'm gonna go up front and he has no idea next thing you know he's speaking in tongues <laughs> i'm like what the hell is this all about like like obviously he, he was know. not trying uh, to make that, that happen right so but I'm still like, this is this is weird. I still don't. I thought about that yesterday. I still don't get the tongues thing. But like with miracles, you know, I see, I hear all these people talk about it. I hear them say, you know, I, I witnessed God's healing. Even one of our pastors was like, I was at a conference and I had a bum knee. And the speaker was like, hey, I have a feeling there's somebody out there that has a bum knee and I want you to get up and walk. And he's like, oh, my gosh, that's me. And he, like, got up, and he said the pain was gone. Everything was gone. And I'm like, that's okay, whatever. I believed him at the time, but I'm like, I don't buy it because all the times, you know, I, I go down to Haiti. And I remember two years ago, we went to the tent city of Kana. It's really bad there. They've got – they literally is a tent city. And one of the guys was taking us around to pray for different people, and I really felt it on my heart, like – dude, this is your time, man. Like they need miracles here. And we go into a little, um, I don't know what you want to call them there. They kind of, every property is surrounded by like trees or walls, keep it contained. And there was probably three or four families living in this one. And there's a little girl who was blind. And if you're blind in Haiti, your odds aren't good. So I'm like, I'm going to pray for this girl. I really feel like God's telling me to pray for this girl. I'm like, I guess I'll just pray for her to be able to see. And I did. And like the family's looking at me like I'm crazy. And all of a sudden, the little girl still can't see. And I'm thinking of all the places that you'd want God to work, he, she still can't see. But I don't know. Man, I don't know the rest of the story. I don't want to. Maybe God's working somehow else there. But those are the things that I would always end up telling myself, well, maybe that's not the way God wanted it to be. And then I would fit God into whatever happened. Yeah. And that's when I was like, ah, I don't, I don't know that that's right. That's, that's yeah. really interesting. Cause it's like, we build this expectation of healing, you know, and mm -hmm. because it's preached all the time and we hear stories. And then when, like in your situation, when you finally pray for someone and have this opportunity and they're not healed, we're, most people that grew up in church do not go the route of, oh, well, what's going on here? And really try to, like, assess the, you know, the faith part of it or anything. But they just try to fit that situation into this God box that they've always been taught about. So mm -hmm. they'll they'll come up with things like, well, maybe he'll, um, you know, he works on his own timing. So maybe I started the healing and then three years mm -hmm. later she'll be healed. You something kind of silly like that and just yeah. trying to fit it in there somehow to make to where it makes logical sense to you at the time. But mm -hmm. in reality, like it doesn't make logical sense. So right. what, like how, how do you deal with that now? And the, and the miracles that you heard about, like the guy with the bum knee, how do you reconcile that now? Um, as far as the knee is concerned, I don't know. I just assume that he's probably, who knows, could have been anything. Do I trust the guy? I don't know. Um, a friend of mine who, lives in Haiti now, I asked him when he came home, I said, look, have you seen anything down there? Like, have you, you've been there. And, and he said, the only thing I really saw is we, 
we had a girl come into the clinic, the, med, the, the pediatric clinic, and I forget what injury she had, but it was kind of rare. And they don't normally keep the things in stock that they would use to treat this injury. But like a week before, somebody brought that product or whatever it was, and they weren't supposed to. They just brought it. And it was there for this girl. And I'm like, okay, that's I mean, that's cool, but I still don't. And he didn't say it was like a big God miracle. It was just, it just happened. It's kind of cool. So I don't want to immediately write a higher power off yet, but I can still take everything back to a coincidence or it just, it might be a long shot, but it still wasn't to me supernatural enough to believe there's really God in that moment. Now, I've said before, the whole goal of this podcast is to look at these doubts and uncertainties in a realistic way. I'm not looking for these churchy answers or Sunday school explanations. I want to actually confront the tough questions in a realistic way that's raw, unfiltered, and quite literal. I want to know what it is exactly that causes people to lose faith. Because, to be honest, most days in the last year or so... I haven't had any faith. The certainty that I used to have is gone. Where once all the puzzle pieces fit exactly in the right spot, and I take a step back and look at the picture, and it makes sense. That's not there anymore. Lately, I try to fit one puzzle piece in, and it's not where it belongs. And it's not something that you can just force into place. The ideas and constructs that I've built over the years to understand who God is and how he behaves and how I can interact with him have all been broken down. And this is where the idea of deconstruction comes from. But all this deconstruction and breaking down of these constructs that I've built around God, it's not all for lack of trying. I mean, there's been nights where I stay up hours searching the Bible for answers and praying for God to take this away, to take this this doubt and this spiritual dissonance away. And I look at it all, and I think, what's the answer? I don't know the answer. But what I do know is that I'm going to ride this out. I'm not going to stop looking for what's true. And even if I never find it, at least I didn't just coast through life unconscious to the things that we can't see. I want to confront these tough questions, and I want to face the sometimes terrifying realities of life that so many are afraid to face. So as you hear these stories from people that I've grown to love, remember that the spiritual journey through life should not go unexamined. These are people that have had real struggles and have experienced the same uncertainty and deconstruction of their faith that I have. But please do not take these as just some random stories and discount them. I want this to be challenging for those of you who are willing to take that step forward towards the doubts that you have and examine them. It's unsettling, I know. But as I've said before, if there's even an ounce of doubt in your mind, search it out. Some Christians will hear these stories and just 
wave them off as invalid just because it's not anything that they've experienced. But for those of you who really want to search for the truth and not just coast through life with the beliefs that you've always had, I think you'll really enjoy these stories. Do you mind just telling me one thing that, or however many things, like what you have a problem with about the church? You get people who who feel like they have to, once they walk through the doors of the church, they put on their false face, they put on their happy face, or I'm a godly person face, and then they do their service, and they do their rituals, and then they leave the building, and they turn into something completely different. And I just couldn't deal with that hypocrisy anymore. Um, now, that's not saying that I'm not a hypocrite. Um, I, I, you know, that's one of the things that I had to deal with um, once I left that my this last church five years ago. Is I was saying, well, he's a hypocrite, and the pastor's a hypocrite, and this, and then I'm like, but what about you, Jeremy? What about you? So instead of just pointing the fingers at others, I tried to turn it around and point the finger at myself and go, okay, well. How am I a hypocrite? What do I need to work on? You know, and that kind of thing. Still, due to that, um, I can't. I, I've had a hard, really hard time going back to the church because I won't be fake um, to a to a flaw. I'll, I'll if I'm going into a church, it's tattoos and all, it's piercings and all, it's it's. Sorry, I have a potty mouth, but I I believe in God and I love God and I love you. What can we do to help each other get through this life and get through this mess? And so many other people aren't like that. Um, they just they they go in, pretend they're holy, and walk out, and they're just pieces of shit like me. You know what I'm saying? So what what about anything else with Christianity? Um, do you do you have any issues or qualms with I don't know Christian culture or anything like that besides the hypocrisy of people? So many, uh, but we don't have the time for that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, it, are there are there any? Let, let's put it this way: Are there any consistent ones that you've always kind of had a problem with that really bug you? As I've gotten older, the last how since I I left the church, um, the physical church building, my big thing is is hearing people talk about loving others and then not seeing it. Um, so I guess that is still hypocrisy, but that's my big issue is how can you say that you love others, but you're not doing anything to help them? You, you come in and and you do your things with your church people and then you go out and you live in your church people world and that kind of thing. Dude, I'm in two bands and I've gotten shit from, from other Christians before because I'll go and play in a, a club with bands that are satanic that full-on are just like there is no god and um if there is a god fuck god and all this stuff and i'm like all right but you're not going to reach these people you're not going to develop relationship with these people you say you love all people but you're not doing that someone's got to you know like who, um, do, who do they expect to do that if they're if they're not going to do it what, what do right? they think that any christians are not going to go around there ever 
Exactly. I'm just like, I can't. So that the whole saying, all right, well, God says to love the sinner, but hate the sin. All right. Well, if that's the case, then why does it seem like you're not even trying to love the sinner? You're condemning the sinner. If you say you love people, show them, you know? Yeah. And, um, and what, what people say is, well, I'm loving them by showing them the truth. Exactly. And, and, and I love that, more than you do. That's how they get away with condemning these people because of their sin. They're like, oh, well, we're just showing them the truth, and that's the main purest part of love there. You know, like yeah. the, the people on the streets with the signs, you know, you're going to burn totally. in hell unless you repent. And you go up and ask them, and they say, well, I mean, I've seen interviews with people. They go up and ask them and say, don't you think loving them is a better option? And what do they say? We are loving them by showing them the truth. I mean, right. I mean, they're not going to be turned around in their opinion. I mean, they're not going to really change their ways because they're so set in it. But but all of those signs are going to do is cause them to go. You know what? If that's if that's God and that's love, fuck that. I don't want that. Exactly. Coming up. John and Adam from the Deconstructionist Podcast share some of the doubts and questions that they've dealt with in the past and even still currently. Now, these are two guys who promote the questioning of beliefs, and their whole podcast is about not discarding beliefs completely and to turn away from Christianity, but they promote the deconstruction of our faith and ideas of God and to be more engaged in those beliefs. Here's John. What is it that made you start doubting? Um, I think that I don't. I don't even know how to put it. Like, I, I guess uh, logical kind of, um, you know, the miracles, um, the resurrection, some of the the bits and pieces where I'm like, you know, the more I thought about it, the more you know, from a from an atheist standpoint, you know, and, and my friends who are atheists, you're like, why do you, why do you live your entire life uh, based off of this this uh, you know Christian uh, belief system, you know, and, and realizing, you know, parts of it, how crazy certain aspects of it sound to somebody who is not born and raised in a Christian home. Oh, dude. And it's like, then trying to reconcile those, those parts, you know, to myself and, and trying to make sense of it, you know? So I think those are the things that I still probably wrestle with to some degree. And I, I have come to peace with some of them. Um, but there's certain bits and pieces, I think, especially when we're talking resurrection, you know, and 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 kind of the um, the fantastic aspects of the Bible that are still really hard to to wrestle with, you know, especially coming from a scientific, you know, kind of you know logical mindset. So I would say those are mostly the the, the parts that I really first started to target and, and struggle with. Adam, what about you? Is there anything that caused you to doubt or, or question the existence of God or, uh, I don't know, Christian culture, church, anything like that? So, yeah, man, uh, I think the best way I can say this is when I think back through my own personal narrative, I can't remember a time where I was not doubting to some extent. I can't, I can't remember a time where that wasn't a part of the journey where that wasn't a part of growing up either in faith or just in your, your individuality or um, in your culture, in your circle of friends, whatever it is. I was always the kid that, uh, you know, my parents, God bless them, had to deal with this. Um, 
where you're on your way home from church and everybody's going, man, wasn't that great? And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> like, wait, what about that? Like, I don't know. Like I, that, all like that was always a part of me. And one of the things we say on our podcast is we are not trying to convince you to start doubting. We are trying to tell you that you already are. You already are. They're down there. It's, it is a, it is a vital spark in life. It's part of the tension that leads you to a new harmony. And uh, doubt is just a part of who I am, man. And I think I just got to the point where I had realized I'd suppressed a lot of that and, and I started to idolize certainty as if like my faith is built on how certain I am of these really fantastic things. And I'm like, I don't have to have that charade or that mask up anymore. Like there are things that I'm pretty, I'm cool with. I don't question that anymore, or at least not right now, maybe. But, you know, this um, substitutionary atonement, hell, inerrancy of scripture, um, you know, even you know, church practices, history, um, even science, philosophy, it's wide open. And that's the fun of it. That's why it's so much fun because there isn't one person out there saying, and I don't think God sees it this way. Well, unless you, unless you crack the code, man, unless, <laughs> unless you get it and, and you're done and you put your pencil down before the bell rings, then, you know, you're going to be left wanting more for the rest of all eternity. I think that's toxic, almost manipulative, almost mind control. And I think doubt offers this really freeing thing to say, bring your questions. Nothing you say is going to unravel God. And we've all been way too certain for way too long. We've lost mystery. We've lost doubt and ambiguity. We've lost some of the most fundamental things that give us the most imaginative, creative philosophy and theology that we have right now on our bookshelves. Okay, so why should people deconstruct their idea of God? I think it's disgusting how much of the system, uh, the tradition, and everything else has encouraged this thing that I call belief by proxy. You believe, you're believing by proxy. You're letting the priests do it for you, the mass do it for you. It's, you know, it's a concept that we call sacerdotalism. I, I'm completely against it, but then we have our own. Um, kind in the church, in evangelicalism, even after the Protestant Reformation, it became sola scriptura, and it became all these other things, and you end up letting the pastor believe for you, and then you let your parents believe for you, or your village believe for you. Here's the deal. All religions agree on this. Christianity is no exception. This is all about transformation. It's all about transformation. Transformation can only be achieved through engagement, true engagement. You are not going to transform. And one of the biggest problems people have with Christianity is they believe all this crap and they don't look any different than anybody else. That's because belief doesn't really matter. Transformation matters. And wrestling with it through engagement produces a more authentic faith that is actually likely to maybe actually change you. Like, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That was the prophet saying, you can kill as many goats and calves as you want, but if you are walking past the widow and the orphan... Your, your religion sucks. Your religion is shit. 
So it's more authentic. And then how can you say that we, we shouldn't be doing this when the name of Israel, God's chosen people, who Christ was supposed to be an embodiment of and then invite us into and a completion of, the name Israel literally means to wrestle with God, to struggle with God. This, this is, I think, not a fringe thing. It's sad that you and I need to have podcasts in order to encourage people to do what scripture has been encouraging people to do from the beginning across all world religions. Acro Dude, that includes Socrates, that includes Plato, that includes Aristotle, that includes the new philosophers. They are all saying, wake up, think, wrestle, struggle. Life is a gift. Don't take it for granted. Engage with it and you will be a more authentic person. If you really believe in God, do you believe God's big enough to handle our little doubts? Like in the grand scope of, I mean, God, he's huge. Like if God is God, do you think he's really batting an eye at, at what I'm saying? Like, like he gets afraid of your, of when you ask a question, you're like, well, God, where if, are yeah. you? And he trembles. If, yeah. If anything, if anything, I'm thinking he's up there like, check this cat out like, look at him <laughs> look at him trying to look at him trying to disprove me this is gonna be great because i'm just gonna let him go and he's gonna be all like i'm on it god's not real and then one of these days i'm just gonna be like bing <laughs> <laughs> That's and great. all of a sudden yeah. he's gonna be like the best believer ever <laughs> you know <laughs> so if anything Christian. god's like challenging the questions because yeah. either way in the end it's only gonna make it better yeah you know whether it's he's you know, whether you turn the whole thing around or God shows up. Yeah. It's still, it's still a good result. So I'm, I, yeah. I just, I just had this thought that I'm, I'm more satisfied and happy and just like excited all around that you are where you are, even though mm -hmm. right now I'm still a Christian and you said you're close to atheism, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm super excited to see where you are more so than I am someone who is a Christian but has not gone through this deconstruction of their faith. Mm -hmm. You know, like like that you actually took the time and the effort and the the blood, sweat and tears to fight through this and to stick with it. You know, the when those those times came when you had those initial doubts, you know, when you're still in the church and stuff and you actually stuck with it and rode that out. And you mm -hmm. ended up where you are because you stuck with it. But you have these people who don't ever even get close to sticking with it because they take no step of faith into the unknown, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, they just kind of accept it and they just write out their life instead of write out their faith. And when you write out your faith, you actually learn things that you haven't learned before and you have to unlearn things that you've always learned, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I really appreciate where you are and I appreciate the fact that you're a person who would go after something like that. And some people say, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think it's a big deal. Whether or not you end up on the God side or the no God side, I think it's a big deal that we actually look at who we are, what we believe, and why. And that concludes part two of the series on faith and doubt. The music in this episode was produced by Bobby Ross. Big thanks to John and Adam from the Deconstructionist podcast, which I'll put a link to in the episode description. More thank yous to Jonathan Guyman, Jeremy Orris, 
and Chris Fiery for sharing their stories for this episode. And big thank you to our patrons, Kimberly Hayes, Julie Moore, Jonathan Williams, Mark Allum, Melissa McCorkle, and Susan Sislek. If you'd like to become a patron, go to the patron link on our website. Stay updated about the podcast at godprojectpod.com, and there you can submit your story and stay connected on social media. Stay tuned for the next chapter of The God Project, and until then, thanks for listening.